Okay, so let's get started in our message today. Guess where we're preaching about? Anybody know? Anybody up besides Frank who's on staff? No? We're on the Ten Commandments. Your, your Bible should just kind of naturally open to Exodus right now. You know, you turn your phone on, boom, you're in Exodus. We are going through the Ten Commandments. And you know, my, when I was praying about this, this morning service and you were coming in this door, I want you to know what I was thinking. I'm thinking that, I'm praying that you get equipped not only in your own life, that the Lord would speak to you personally and privately this morning in an amazing way just for you, just for you, but also that you'd be encouraged and equipped to touch the world around you as you interact with people who don't, haven't not, not yet come to know God. And, uh, you know, I want you to know that I, this is kind of a word picture for you, but I see the Ten Commandments as like guardrails in life. You know, how many know that guardrails are not there to hurt you? There to help you. Can you imagine falling off the cliff there? That would kind of kill you. That guardrail's there to protect you, protect you from other people and, and hurting them. You know, sometimes when life gets really crazy, it can really help you. And that's what the Ten Commandments are. They're there not to hurt you, not to prevent you. You know what? God wants the absolute best for you. The absolute best. He created you for a purpose. He wants to, you to be all you could be. And so when we look into the Word today, I want you to know that God's desire for you is way beyond what you think is impossible in your own life. It says this in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster. They are plans to give you hope and a future. And one of my favorite verses in Psalm 139, the word says this, you saw me before I was born and every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God? See, God's not, uh, when we look at the Ten Commandments, it's not a God with a big stick waiting for you to break one. It's, it's the exact opposite. It's more of a picture of a God who just wants to embrace you and, and make sure that you have the best. He put us on the planet. He knew he put us on the planet with seven billion other people and he knew it wasn't gonna be easy. So today we wanna study the Eighth and the Tenth Commandment. Okay, so the Eighth Commandment would be Oh, wait a minute. Let's try that one again. And Frank, you have to be quiet. The Eighth Commandment is? Okay, good. Good, I'm going to teach today. Good, I'm glad I'm teaching. Let me tell you what the Eighth Commandment is. Do not steal. How many know, how many people in here have actually stole something in your life? I'm going to keep raising my hand until you guys get truthful. Because, you know, we already talked about next week's lying. Just saying. Just saying. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to study the 10th commandment today, which is do not covet. Do not covet. We're going to talk about, you know what? Don't take what doesn't belong to you. And don't look at your neighbor's stuff and want it and hold it against him that he has it. That's what we're talking about. Open your Bibles to Exodus uh, chapter 20. We're going to be there in verse 15, it says this, you must not steal. Some of your versions say no stealing. Anybody have small kids? Anybody ever watch Dora, the Explorer? I have four grandchildren. Fortunately for me, they're growing out of Dora, the Explorer. But you know that, what's the line in Dora, the Explorer? Somebody yell it out. Swiper, no swiping. Well done there. Oh, and Barney, oh. Praise God, my kids are past morning. Okay, sorry, I digress. 
And it says that do not steal. And in verse 17, it says this, do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife or husband, the male or female servants, the ox, the donkey, and anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Don't covet them. So let's just talk about stealing for a moment. In the, the word, in, the, in stealing in the word, the original language, it says don't take someone else's possessions and don't withhold from them that belongs to them. That's what the original, original language is. Okay, let's talk about stealing. What do you think the number one thing stole in, the, in America today is? And actually, it's the same as in the world. So what's the number one thing stolen in the world today would be? Money. Okay, so there's like 150 people in here. I got three answers. <laughs> we can do better. Number one thing stolen into America today is a bicycle. How many had bicycle under their breath because we're going to say anything? Good for you. Yeah, we're talking about lying next week. Okay, so <laughs> bicycle's good. Okay, another one, a little, little participation. Shoplifting in a grocery store. The grocery store folks over there would know this one. Number one thing stolen in a grocery store is? What is it, Chris? Meat, right? It's meat. She would know she runs the store. I mean, if I gave you 30 seconds in a cart and say you can have anything in the store, you got 30 seconds, go, where would you go? Okay, you'd go to the meat counter. Okay, so what's the number one book stolen in the world today is? The Bible. That's weird. You, you already broke the commandment. You didn't even get started. Number one vehicle stolen in America today is? That's in Hawaii. You're right. Actually, it's an F-250 truck, so now you have a trivia question you didn't know. Anybody here had their car stolen? And there, how many people? I have two. I've had two cars stolen in my time. When I was a kid, uh, and I'm not a kid anymore, but some of us that might be around my age, back then, fixing up your car as a teenager was like really important. You know why we fixed our cars up when we were teenagers? So people could envy us. You know, hey, aren't you cool? You know, get the girls. So I had this Chevelle back in the day, 64 Chevelle, all fixed up. I had chrome everything on it. Almost every penny I got went in that car. I actually happened to work for an auto parts store at the time, so it was really easy for me to fix that car up. And so, I mean, that thing was, yeah. I wish I had a picture of it. Darn. Anyway, it was, it was cherry. You know, Krager rims, wide tires, chrome. You open the hood, chrome everything. So I was at the restaurant with, on, a, on a date. I come out, and the car is gone. Gone, gone. I freak out. So I call the police. Oh, yeah, you're, we found your car already. Awesome. It's two blocks away. I'll be right there. You know, I'm running as fast as I can, two blocks. It was in an alley. I get there, turn the corner, and the car is literally on blocks. Everything has been stripped off it. Everything. Inside, outside, everything. I was crushed. Crushed. And then the cop, a police officer, <laughs> says this, can you get it out of here? <laughs> How the heck am I supposed to do that? Not only, you know, it's like, you know, it's not bad enough to get your car stolen. Now I got to get rid of it. I mean, come on, my day is going bad. You know, when you get your car stolen, it's not a good thing. 
You know, and when you steal something, you, you know, I don't recommend it, but there are some people out there that try to steal something and they like to have absolutely no plan. They kind of get into it. Let me show you this guy. Check, check this guy out. I'm going to do a little narrative, if you don't mind. I'm going to do a little play-by-play. This guy here, he's trying to steal, uh, break into the store. He's doing his best job. Oops. Ah. Needed a better plan like a ladder. Oh, here he come. he's breaking in. Here he comes. He's almost in. Oh, bummer. Son of a gun. Dazed and confused, he walks around. Gets a cart. Okay, now I'm in it. I got a cart. Going through getting the cigarettes. Oh, I'm going to get out of here now. I got I to get out of here. I got uh-oh. I got a problem. I didn't plan very well. Okay, better go out the same way I came in. Here he goes. He's, he's getting out. Wait, wait for it. Wait for it. Oh, bummer. Oh, no, this is a bad day. Throws the camera, sits down at the keg, and waits for the cops to come. Stealing does not pay. Stealing does not pay. You know, look at all the stuff we have to buy to keep our stuff now. How many grew up in a time when you didn't lock anything? Your house never got locked. That was me. That, nothing was locked in my life. Now you got to have, how many people have, you carry keys everywhere you go? Some more than others. You know why you carry the keys? To keep your stuff. You got alarms on your car, for your house, and you just hope that everybody remembers the codes. You know, by the way, you lock your car, you alarm your car, and then you put a club on your car to keep your car. That's us around here in our truck. We've been broken into like so many times. Isn't it crazy what we do today just to keep our stuff? And God, God never intended it. I mean, if life is a train, we've run off the rails a long time ago. Would you not say that? Yes. I mean, we have gotten as far away from God's best for us than we are right now. And what about, what about coveting? Coveting is... The, it's a yearning to possess, a lust, a craving, a desire to, to possess something or someone. It said that in verse 17, let me reread it. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife or husband, the male and female servants, the ox, the donkeys, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. You know, let me put it this to, in a world where we live in today. You know, you, you can't look at your, your neighbor's house. In fact, I, I gotta com- confess, I was golfing on Lanai, or, and I, this, there was this, the most amazing house along the golf course of Manelli. Not bad, huh? Now I'm not sure that this is the exact house, but that is one heck of a house. I, would, I, I covet that house, let me tell you. <laughs> Seriously covet that house. I mean, you know, you gotta say, Lord, hey, I've been faithful. I've tied... <laughs> I've tied every, I've been a Christian for 30 years. I've never not stopped. I mean, that, look at the hammock over there. Can you imagine? Okay, I'm just saying. So anyhow, don't covet the house. Don't cut, you know, look over and go, wow, that, she's looking good or he's looking good. You know know what happens when you start doing that? You start comparing your life to others. How many know that's a slippery slope? How many know you just took control of your life and you took God completely out? And how many know that the enemy would love to feed those thoughts? The word says, don't let any thought be, take captive. But if you start, oh man, I don't know why I married this guy. I don't marry, you are, that is the worst place to be. Do not go there. 
Because remember what I read in the beginning, Jeremiah 29, God created you for a purpose. And that person that you're married to, to be with you, to be your partner. Too many times we start comparing ourselves. Look at the advertising, the money spent on advertising today. Look at the money on that. They want, you didn't need that. You didn't want that. You didn't even care about it until it came on the TV. And all of a sudden, you're on the phone dialing it. By the time you get done dialing the phone, you've already bought three of them. I do, I, I literally know someone who, shopping channel, and they had a room full of stuff that they didn't even want, didn't really care about, but all of a sudden they were watching the TV and it became, I gotta have it. A complete room, complete room, a bedroom full of stuff, never opened, never opened, and the bill has to be paid every month that they can't afford. Do not allow yourself to covet. Don't covet your friend's job, that your friend's salary, your neighbor's salary. You know, don't covet your neighbor's car, even though I do covet a car. I have one that I lust after regularly. <laughs> that one. That's a Shelby. You know how that thing sounds, guys? You have any idea? I mean, that thing sounds so sweet. Oh my gosh. Trust me, I'd be at every, every light going, you know, just kind of tapping on the gas pedal. You know. Anyway, anyhow, I, I digressed. But guess what? Do you ever covet yourselves? Did anybody ever get some, your, your neighbor drove home with a new car? Darn. You ever feel, about, feel those emotions? Because you know what coveting is? You know, stealing and committing adultery, all those things, that's an action. You take an action there. You murder somebody, that's an action. But coveting, that's a you thing. That's right there. That's in your mind. That's an emotion. You, that's within you. You're allowing yourself to go there. Do not allow yourself to go there. Uh, I want to say this too, that a friend of ours uh, about coveting, <laughs> I have a friend I golf with and he has some friends, uh, a group of older folks whose kids wa li uh, moved out of the house. And so the six couples, the three couples, or the six of them go to Vegas once a year, at least once a year, and have for many years. And when they win something, you know, somebody might win something on the trip uh, when they went to Vegas, and they would go to Roy's or somebody, a really nice restaurant, and kind of celebrate, and they'd kind of pool their winnings to, to enjoy that time together. Catching my drift there? Last year, one of the men won $2 million. In fact, it was on the news. He won $2 million on one of those big uh, machines that light up for you. I'm not a Vegas guy, so, but I know it was a slot machine, one of those big ones. He won two million bucks. He went home, he gave his kid the house and he went and bought a new house. But what happened was one of the other men got super envious because he felt like, hey, we've always, we've always the winnings always got uh, divvied up kind of, even though they were very small, but now this is a big one. We, we should, aren't we gonna divvy that up? That relationship is still not repaired to this day because he allowed envy to get in his heart. When, if, you're feeling, if, if you're ever feeling like, wow, how come you got that and I didn't? That is envy. And that is right from the pit of hell. And everybody in the bin goes going to the Best Buy. Anybody, you know, go Best Buy? I mean, you can't go in Best Buy without going, oh man, I'd like to have that. I don't care what section you're in, you want the next, the latest thing. Are you, am, I, am I wrong here? 
I mean, I had, I wanted a flat screen TV forever, forever. Since they started coming out, they're like, what, only uh, 32 inches or something like that when they first came out, cost one of your kids. But now, now they come a lot bigger and they don't cost as much. So I tell my Deb, I really want one of those flat screen TVs. I gotta have one. I said, there's, in my course, this is my wife. There's nothing wrong with the TV we have. And my, my children, my, my oldest daughter is 30 years old. And she says, we've only had, and this is true, in her whole life, we've only had two TVs in that house. That's all we've had. Amazing luck with TVs. It's a different story. I'll tell you about that later. But so I wanted the flat screen TV. And my wife would always say, when that breaks down, we'll get one. Huh? <laughs> you don't understand. That's a challenge. <laughs> and I know we has kind of fallen out of uh, favor. You know, Wii's not that big a deal anymore, but there was a, a game called Wii and you had a handle in your hand. You know, it's kind of a remote control handle. And I was thinking, hey, Mikey and Liz, those are my daughter and son-in-law. Hey, can you bring your Wii over? I want to play, I want to go bowling with your, with your Wii. Because I figured, you know, I got a little skill in bowling. I used to bowl. You know, I'd go, uh, oh, shoot, I out of my hand oh bummer the tv's gone i didn't do that well that tv never broke but i broke my wife down until <laughs> she finally got one in fact that tv that old tv still sits in my garage today so i 16 months ago i bought a flat screen and built it into my house here's the backstory: it broke the other day guess what i got reminded of Go get the TV out of the garage. I said, oh, let's go back to Best Buy. Come on, come on, babe. So we go to back to Best Buy and I start lusting again for my TV. I start craving that 70 and 90. They got a 90 inch now. Who doesn't want a 90 inch TV? Do you realize football season starting in a couple of weeks? That's my point. So, you know, I, what I'm trying to say, the Lord's trying to tell us this morning is, don't covet. Don't covet. And by the way, there's consequences to these things too. When we actually do steal, what happens when we steal? I mean, in Hawaii, what is the number one thing that we personally need to protect in Hawaii? What do we have to protect? Our reputation. It is, and I tell my kids all the time, it is the most important thing to protect, especially in an island state, is our reputation. Because I want you to know, you lose your reputation. I mean, it, the coconut wireless works well here. Whew, right through the community. And you're, you're tagged. And guess who else is tagged? The rest of your family. You'll end up in prison on the front page of the paper. You know, you're going to lose all your friends. You're going to have that red reputation. In the last year and a half, two men from this church have had their mug shots on TV with Hope T Chapel t-shirts on. Two. Two. That is true. And how about, how about embarrassing is that? And neither one of those guys really come back up here anymore because of that. They know they're on TV. They're, they, they knew they're on the news. I mean, that, that's how bad. Stealing has consequences. And in the Old Testament, it was clear. Gee, you know, they, Moses made it clear God made it clear that there's consequences of stealing. And in Exodus 22, it says this, if someone steals an ox or a sheep, then kills or steals it, the thief must pay back five oxen 
for each ox stolen or four sheep for each sheep, sheep stolen. Can you imagine how that works today? I mean, that means I get two cars, at least two cars if you steal the one. I mean, think that through. If we had to pay back somehow, some way, look at what it says. It says, as if a thief is caught in the act of breaking into a house and is struck and killed in the process, the person who killed the thief is not guilty of murder. However, if it happens during the daylight, the one who killed the thief is guilty of murder. So in the, God's saying in the daytime, you can figure this out. You don't have to be crazy. By the way, a lot of our laws in many states are written off of this command right there. It says this. It goes on to say, the thief who is caught must pay back in full everything stolen. If he cannot pay it back, he must be sold as a slave to pay back for his theft. Wouldn't that work today? We think that through. If you stole something, if that dude that broke in that liquor store had to pay back everything, and, or he would have to do his own time to raise the money for that in some way, I mean, would that not deter crime today? Is if, so, if someone steals an ox or a donkey or a sheep, and that back there, that was your livelihood, that was your transportation, and is found, and, is found and the thief possesses it, then the thief must pay back double the value of what was stolen. That's amazing. You know what's happening today too is, which is, you know, this is how, this is how off the rails the culture is and how important it is for us to permeate that culture. We, today, we've gone way past stealing bikes and meat. Guess what we steal today? Identity. They're willing to steal your identity. And you know the saddest part of this thing is people are so callous, so heartless, that they steal people's full retirement. Everything they save their whole life, they come in to tap into it. And then they also, along the way, if they don't get that, they get your credit. And I, everyone in this room that's ever tried to get a mortgage recently know how tight that is, no matter how good your credit is, and you lose your credit, you lose the ability to do a lot of things. And that's how crazy it is today. So many of us in this room might be even ha have that thing that you can check your, your uh, credit rating regularly. You pay every month just to make sure it's like having a lock in your lock, your keys and all that. It's like having a control of your finances when you pay uh, so much a month to have them check. But that's how crazy and off the rails it's gotten. You know, that's, that, again, that's why it's so important that we're, we're, the, we're the change agents in this, in this culture. But I would, I, I would love it if we, the consequences would be that if you steal it, you got to pay it back. By the way, in Saudi Arabia, in Yemen, in Nigeria, you know what happens if you steal? You are missing your arm. Now, I'm not saying we should go there. But, and a lot of times, there, it's, stealing is a residual effect, is, it a, is a re caused by lifestyle changes. They get caught up in drugs and stuff like that, and that's, that's even a crazier consequence. So the, word said, the Lord is saying, hey, I, I don't want you to deal with those consequences. Don't steal. Don't steal. It says this, though, in Malachi. This is a different type of consequences. This is, this is a good consequence. It says this in Malachi, the third chapter. Should people cheat me? Some of, yours, some of your versions would say, rob me or steal from me. Yet you cheat me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me from your tithes and offerings, do me. You are under a curse, and the whole nation has been cheating me. 
bring all your tithes in the storehouse so that there's enough food in my temple. And God's saying, what he's saying is, hey, I gave it all, I want some back. That's what God's saying. I didn't say it, so I'm just saying what God said. God says that if you don't, he sees it as stealing. But there's an unreal consequence, there's an unreal blessing, really. It's not a consequence, it's a blessing if you understand this. Look what it says, this. If you do, and how many know that when you're reading the Bible, when you read the word if or then, something amazing is about to be said. There's a promise about to come your way. And how many know that God's promises are worth listening to and believing in? If you do, says the Lord, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't even have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant and I will guard them from the insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall off the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord. All the nations will be blessed and your land will be such a delight, says the Lord. So what the Lord is saying is, you know what, there's a cause and effect. If you trust me with your finances and you give, I'm going to bless you beyond your wildest imagination. But I want you to know that verse is more than just tithes and offerings. It's about blessing. If you are a blessing to others, I'm going to rain blessing in your life. You hear me? Because when you, can I just say something else about stealing? Very important. Is, it is, stealing is when you take something that doesn't, doesn't belong to you, a possession that doesn't belong to you. In the original language, that's what that word was talking about. Taking something that does not belong to you. It also is about withholding something that belongs to others. And let me say this, of course, we know withholding, not paying your bills, is stealing from that company. We understand that. If you borrow somebody's tool and don't bring it back and forget about it, you, you stole the tool. No getting around that. But can I just throw this one out to you for your own thought? The Lord put this on my heart too. If you withhold emotional, physical, or spiritual intimacy with that person you love, your wife, your husband, your best friends, your children, you're stealing from them. You're processing that, I know. But I'm gonna say it one more time because I think it's important. If you, re, if, you rehold, if you withhold emotionally, you, you get distant from them. If you withdraw from them physically, if you withdraw from them spiritually, you are robbing them of the gift that you are to them. And also I wanna I read a great book many years ago, which I, I, I love that book, it's called The Blessing. And I believe this, any parent, every parent, every parent, should make sure that they give their children their blessing. You know what that is? It's an encouragement. It's a word of encouragement. Especially when your children get a little older and they're out on their own. Because some of our kids just went to college and you're sitting home, you're sitting here right now going, oh, bummer. My, you know, anybody here's child hit, hit the road to college recently? But I want you to know, I hope if your child, children do or of age like that, they, there's a spiritual blessing that they need to be imparted. And if you don't, you're withholding something from them. And I just want you to make sure that you, you know, that's, that's the reality. You don't wanna steal from them their blessing. That's so important. And envy, that's, we're talking about craziness when we talk about the consequences of envy. Because you know, it does drive you to a place you don't wanna be. Your mind goes there, it can, it can trip you up. 
How many times you drive to work, eh, I drive this old beater and look at that nice car over there and all of a sudden you've gone places you don't want to be. Wow, that guy next to me, he gets more money than I do and I work way harder than him. You know? Why does he get all the nice clothes or she get all the nice clothes? So, you know, when it, the words try to tell us, don't do that. But there's, there's I want to know some, the Lord's just not talking about, when he talks about don't steal and don't covet, there's something also implied in here, very important. It's the flip side of that. The word says in John 10, 10, it says this, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy's purpose is to make sure that your life is not all it could be. That he helps you, he gets your mind around stealing or coveting. He wants to destroy your life. But the Lord says this, my purpose is to give you life and life to the fullest that you'd be satisfied. And it's an amazing thing in that verse. God says, I don't want you to be, I don't want you to be the person who's coveting everything. Instead, I want you to person that gives life and brings life. And when you think about stealing, the opposite of stealing is generosity. Wouldn't you say? And God says, I want you to be a generous person. I want you to be, live a life of generosity. It says this in 1 Timothy. It says, tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud and to not trust in their money, which will be soon gone. But their trust should be in the living God who has richly given us all that we need for our enjoyment. Did you know that was in there? That is an awesome verse. It says, God has richly given us all we need for our enjoyment. How many know that God, you know, I want you to know that's a great picture of how God sees our relationship because God wants us to be happy. And by the way, how many in this room don't want to be happy? In fact, if I said, you know, all, every person on this planet, if you break it all down, what is it they want out of life? They want to be happy. They want to be joyful. And God just said, don't put your trust in anything but me. And if you do put it to trust in me, I'll give you everything you need for your enjoyment. That means you will experience contentment and, and happiness in life. An amazing verse. Tell them that to use their money for good so that the rich, they'll be doing good, rich, good works that should be generously giving to others in need. Always be ready to share with others whatever God has given you. By doing this, they will be storing up treasures in heaven and laying a foundation for a life here of joy. Isn't that an amazing verse? He says, the Lord's saying, if you have a heart of generosity, not to take or hold back or selfishness, but if you develop a heart like Jesus that says, just give it away. It's, the word says it's more blessed to give than to receive. If you're willing to give it away, if you're willing to look for opportunities to bless others, God's going to bless you back. Did we just read that in Malachi? He's going to open up the windows of heaven and it's going to be so great you can't contain it. An amazing verse. It says this. Let me read this in Luke. And this is the verse that uh, Pastor Frank was reading. It says, if you give, you will receive. If you give away to others, if you look for opportunities to bless others, if you, your gift will return to you in full measure, pressed down, shaken together, with room, it's running over, whatever measure you use for giving, large or small, it will be given back to you. Here's the picture. If you're looking for opportunities to bless others, if you're God's agent of change, how many know that God's word says that we, his children, are to be salt and light? 
You know what that means? We're to make a difference. We're to be difference makers. How many know that if you see somebody in need and you go, look at, you know, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you that need. How many know that God's going to bless you back? And the word says it's more than you can contain. So really what we're hearing when we're reading the Ten Commandments, he doesn't, the Lord says, don't steal, but he's saying, be generous. Be, be willing to be, and here's the next thing that I really want, think this is so important. To be content is so important. When we're, when we're content, people see that in us because the byproduct of being content is joy. And now joy is not this hilarity and happiness all the time. How many know you can fake being happy? You can, you can put the mask on. How about Pastor Rick Bazette last week? Was that good? But you had to take away, don't fake it. That was the whole thought last, last week. But you can fake happiness. You can, walk, you can be driving to work just so mad and walk in the door. How's everybody doing today? Isn't it an awesome day? But joy is something that's from within. People see joy in people and they know that person's different. And joy comes from absolute contentment. And contentment comes from a trust God Everything, uh, everything that's going on in my life is just the way you want it to be. It's just the way you laid it out to be. You didn't give me that. I don't need that. I don't even want that. Whatever. I'm just content in my relationship with you. That's why reading the word regularly is so important to, be, to have a conversation with God. Because for me, I read, you know, I read the word regularly and I am filled with joy when I read it. And sometimes you might be thinking, oh, I know I read it, but I, I'm not getting anything out of it anymore. Wow. It's because the enemy has taken away that love. If, if you're reading like me in the Robert, Robert Roberts through the year Bible reading right now, we're in Revelation. And just a couple days ago, I talked about the church that says, you do this right, and you do that right, and you do this right, and you do that right, and this right. But there's one thing that I'm not happy about. You lost your first love. So if you're not feeling contentment in life, if you're not feeling joy in life, I promise you one way of getting it back is to get back that relationship with the Lord. And when you read the word, read it as a conversation. You're reading in your Bible to say, Lord, we're having a conversation here because he wants to have that conversation with you. In, in Hebrews 13, it says, stay away from the love of money. Be satisfied in what you have, says the, says the Lord. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So if you're trying to chase something, if you're trying to get so up that ladder of life and it's driving you to anxiety and you're not sleeping and you're freaking out, God says, that's not the best for you. Because if there's not peace in your heart, it's not, it's not there. And it says, let me read this. This is one of my favorite verses. And John, and I'm gonna finish with this, Trev. John 15, 9, it says this. I have loved you this is Jesus talking to us. Even as the Father has loved me, remain in my love, and when you obey my, when you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remained in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one life for his friend. You are my friend if you have done these commands. And God says, I hope you know that 
God's put us on this planet and has chose us, saved us to live a life for him. When we chase the almighty, the, the flat screen TV and that new car and that great house, I promise you, if you're just chasing those dreams, you're not, that's not where God would want you to be. God wants you to chase him, chase him. Because I, I hope you've listened to the words I've read this morning from him. It says, if you chase him, he'll bless you back more than you can contain. So if you're struggling here today, trying just to make ends meet and freaking out, I want you to know God says he'll never leave you or forsake you. If you're dealing with uh, health issues, the word clearly says the Lord will never leave you or forsake you. If you're dealing with relationship issues and things that are out of your control, that's exactly when you need to fall in God's arms, in God's embrace. I want you to know when you read the commands, the commands are not there as a big stick going, bam, just got, no, they're there to protect you. They're, 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 they're your loving father saying these, you know, how many know that there's safety within boundaries? There's so much safety in boundaries. When you don't know the boundaries, you can run off the rails in a heartbeat. But God's saying, hey, just stay with these boundaries because I want us to have this relationship. I want us to have this love affair. And I pray that you do today. And Lord, let's pray right now. Lord, I pray for everyone in here this morning, Lord, that their relationship would be so intimate with you that when people see them in the world they work in, in the school they attend, in the workplace they go every day, in the neighborhood that they live, in the family that they've been blessed with, Lord, I pray that when all those people come in contact with us, they would see a reflection of you because the joy that comes from our heart and that joy can only come from a complete and total trust in you. And I pray that, Lord. Your word says that it's impossible to please you without faith, Lord. And this morning, I pray for everybody in this room. I, I just want to pray right now, Lord. I pray your anointing, a double portion of your anointing on this, these folks in this room right now, every one of us, that your faith, Lord, would fall on us this morning in even a greater way. That we would trust you in just in amazing ways this morning, Lord. Things that we have to control, Lord, we give them to you right now. And for anyone in this room has, has never experienced your love, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You've never come to a place where you say, Lord, come into my heart, make a difference. Come in and take control of my heart, Lord. I want to know you more. I want to know this, what that man's talking about, Lord. I want to give you a chance to pray this morning too. And I want to pray right now. Just hitchhike off my words right now. Lord, forgive me of my sins, Lord. I've done my own thing, my own way for all this time, Lord. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to put my total life in your control, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'd come into my heart and take residence. Send your Holy Spirit to guide me and protect me, to embrace me, Lord. Allow me to feel this peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord. Lord, I pray that these folks who have come to know you this morning, Lord, you would change the way they think, Lord. They would be thinking like you. And I pray just a blessing on us today as we go about into that world. I pray, Lord, that the folks that we're going to come in contact would see you in our reflection. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen.